Lucy 2.0. It's some good clean fun. Finally. Finally. <laughs> yes. We're yes. doing it. Oh my god. High five. High five. Okay. This has taken, taken a lot to get here, but I'm like happy that we're doing this. I, I am too. It's really like a, it, the, the two topics go really well together. It's really important. They do. Yeah. I can't like, so I think a little background is funny here. So you and I are both content creators. We're both run our own business. Life is very challenging. We're married. We have kids. We've been through the pandemic. Yeah, yes. And we both have dogs. Yes. Um, <laughs> That's what we met at the dog park. We, we met. Like, yeah, we because met we're both chatty. And you are wearing a really cute summer dress. And oh, my so dog came and jumped on you. And I was like, oh, my God. Now my she's going to yell at me. I'm, what am I going to say? And then I love dogs jumping on me. So if you see me out in the park with your dog, you can, your dog can jump on me. Well, you are like the friendliest dog person in the dog park I've ever met. But we got onto this topic because uh, we were talking about how um, I talked about how I work in sort of the women's health, menopause, midlife field. Yeah. And I, I very said, quietly said, well, I, I work with non-alcoholic drinks because I you don't yes. always want to tell people because no. If there's a stigma yes. still around there speaking is. of dogs. Oh. Well Jackie lets her dog out. <laughs> um yeah, so I there's a stigma associated with non-alcoholic drinks and being dry and like having, you know, a sober curious lifestyle, alcohol free lifestyle. And so you were telling them what you did and I quietly was like, Well, I work with non-alcoholic drinks, thinking you were gonna immediately not want to be my friend. <laughs> you know, because there's a lot of judgment, but then you were like, Wow, tell me more. So here we are. <laughs> I I am sober curious. Like yeah. I have been thinking about it because um during the pandemic, I did a lot of research uh, when I was, I used this podcast used to be about cannabis and how it can help um, women's health, but, you know, recreational, medicinal, relaxation and sleep. And every time I talked about cannabis and sleep or cannabis and women's health, people just like the, the questions were amazing. Yeah. So yeah. many people were coming to yeah. me saying, I want to yeah. know more about that topic. Yeah. But um, as I was researching cannabis, I learned that during the pandemic, this is from the US, this is from the New York Post, women with young children, their drinking increased 363% yeah. during COVID. During COVID. Yeah. 363%. Yeah. I mean, percent. That's, like, that's not a surprise, though, if you think about all the content that we were being fed in our feeds yeah. of women saying, oh, my God, it's 11 o'clock, but, you know, homeschooling sucks. I'm having a drink, like, not too early for the bar cart. Ha ha. Uh, joke, 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 yeah. right? Rosé all day. Rosé all day, you know, and I was really fortunate because I had chosen already to wean myself off of alcohol before the pandemic started. So uh, my first like month of being alcohol free was the first month of the pandemic, but I had made the choice. Yeah. And, you know, in my, in my mind, in a lot of people's minds, the pandemic was going to be short. Oh, you know, I was like, I'm not going to give up on myself. I'm going to stay with my commitment because this is all going to be over in a few weeks. Yes. And I wanted to stick yes. to my guns about like, this was the life that I was choosing. Yeah. Um, and just as a backstory, I wasn't so, I, I don't consider myself sober. I, I don't drink, but I don't have that label of sober. I, I didn't hit rock bottom. I didn't go to recovery. I didn't go to AA. Like uh, okay. this is the new thing. This is the new frontier of like women's health is that like, you don't have to go to AA to decide that right. you don't want to drink anymore. So I had chosen that before the pandemic started. So it was very hard to watch all these people. Like I was experiencing the joys of being alcohol free. I weathered the pandemic really well. I had no anxiety, no Good. stress. Um, I spent, I, I loved and enjoyed spending time with my kids. Yeah. Homeschooling was really tough. Yeah. Running a business was really tough, but like those, those blank moments where there was nothing going on and, you know, spending the time with my kids was 
delightful for me because I had never had that time before. And because I was always so thinking about socializing and drinking and, and going out and like, what events are we taking the kids to where mom can have her wine, right? Yeah. Um, so the watching all these people go through this and drinking, it was very difficult because I, I wanted to yell at everybody like, don't you understand? It's causing you more anxiety and more oh, stress. Yes. So I'm not surprised at that statistic. And I think I've seen that, that article as well. And it's, it hasn't, it hasn't entirely gone away. I think it's still no. there. People are still, women are still leaning on it because unfortunately it's an addictive substance. So yeah. we, we accept it in our lives as a society and as a culture. So we never question the impact of it. And so if you're drinking a lot during COVID, it's very difficult to just be like, okay, I'm going to stop now. And yeah. Go back COVID's to over. We're like, yeah. wine and I are breaking up. Yeah. And that's hard because it's an addictive substance. So I think there's still a lot of people who are, you know, slowly realizing that like, maybe this isn't the healthiest thing. And definitely most people I know have said, yeah, I drank too much during COVID. I'm cutting back. And that's great. Yeah. That's always really great news to hear because it, it's, it's worrisome. All that content was so worrisome. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was, it was like, um, the carrot at the end of the day right like yeah. it was giving us i think the content that we saw and the things we were hearing and doing it was like we were rewarding ourselves for making mm -hmm. it through another day of the pandemic yeah you know yeah. and, and yeah. like you said you know i look back on the pandemic and i was like you i no one knew when it would end yeah. so i kept thinking yeah well, it's gonna be next week it's next week be, yeah we won't yeah. go into lockdown again this won't happen again this yeah. won't happen yeah. again it really has been since the pandemic's been over that i realized how hard it was yeah yeah it wasn't during it yeah like i i felt you, like we were coping a, and struggling but and it was a slow burn yeah that's why it wasn't it didn't like it was it was difficult but it wasn't like it was like yeah we can over we can get through this it's just another yeah. day just, and you know then you look back and you're like wow how did we as a society go through that all? And like yeah. now, you know, people were definitely drinking more and, um, you know, imbibing and finding a reason to have a glass of wine. And like part of it is too that, you know, when you're in this, when we were in this pressure cooker of lockdown and specifically yeah. for women, the, the onus was on us to keep the house clean, keep the kids in school, like look taught, yes. um, you know, figure out how to get groceries without getting mm -hmm. COVID yourself and like all the stress that was put on us as women. Yep. Vaccinations. Um, yeah. You um, need you need dopamine, right? So yep. um, the one thing that I do know that it, this is, you know, I'm not a, a medical expert whatsoever, but I do know that um, when you drink, when your first glass of wine, for instance, you get a dopamine rush like it's that that's the chemical reaction that happens in your brain so in that time that dark time people were seeking dopamine yeah you have to so that's partially part of the reason why i feel that so many people were turning to it because it was it wasn't just like oh it was something to do it was like that addictive chemical reaction of, of the dopamine boost that yeah. you needed that people needed was causing that too and that's why it's addictive yeah so yeah it's been really interesting to watch you know people wean themselves off of it but also have those conversations with people who are like yeah i've decided to instead of having a glass of wine i'm gonna go for a run and i'm like yeah that's the dopamine yeah you're getting the dopamine from the run or the walk or playing with your dog or playing with your kids like yeah that, that way to cope so um yeah it's i think we're we're in an era now where more people are talking about it and covid exacerbated that so like it, it's a good thing that happened almost yeah it's yeah like, wow oh wow alcohol's not good for you <laughs> in <laughs> like, so many ways i think covid taught us a lot mm -hmm. i mean there was a lot of bad stuff but and mental health is the yeah. number one yeah. but but there were other things that we learned like yeah. to live yeah. with less to need less yeah how, how to make your own bread 
how to make your own bread. <laughs> I didn't do it. The yeast I didn't do thinger. it. I didn't do it. I, didn't I was do like, it I'm refusing. I'm sorry. I just, I love all of you out there making your own bread during COVID, <laughs> but I just wanted somebody to buy a loaf for me. Or I just wanted to buy a loaf. Like, I wanted someone to make it for me. It was so good. Yeah, but then yeah. again, I was like, now I'm drinking, eating homemade bread. I'm yeah. going to be oh, the yeah. size of Jabba yeah. the Hutt yeah. by the time COVID's over. Right. Is it COVID ever going to be yeah. over? So, yeah. And um, now, oh, sorry, go ahead, Jackie. Go oh, no. No. <laughs> I was going to say, now we're all trying, now we're all like back to health and fitness and wellness and trying to, like, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. you know, keeping our bodies strong so yeah. that never happens again. Yes. But, um, <laughs> no, it's interesting. I think when you and I first connected to talk about this, we're not dissimilar at all. Like, um, alcohol as much as you know I particularly like my wine I don't drink liquor I only drink wine mm -hmm. I only drink red sometimes a rosé um but I find it is something like that I look forward to and when I read about it I think oh this is terrible because it breaks down collagen Right, I'm yeah. I'm 55 I want I need all the collagen I yeah. can get yeah, I yeah, want to yeah. like scoop yeah. off little people kiwi Kiwi. Kiwi? Eat, eat a lot of kiwi. Kiwi? Yeah, kiwi oh, is why so vitamin C helps bring collagen, like helps to um, manufacture collagen. You okay. need it in your body. You need vitamin C to manufacture collagen. So I eat a ton of kiwi. <laughs> okay. And, and she has like, really good collagen. I feel like my skin is really nice right now. You but have I also, really nice thank skin. You. I've really been taking care of myself, drinking a lot of water and, and eating kiwi. <laughs> good for you. I'm going to be on a kiwi binge now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you go to Loblaws and you can't get kiwi, it's guess because you've got it all. <laughs> it's all in my house. Um, so yeah, it breaks down collagen. What else? Were you okay. Doing? So it disrupts sleep because it turns yeah. into an accelerant. Women in, um, I would say like women in this midlife stage, yeah. you know, whether you're yeah. in perimenopause, menopause, or yeah. even not. Yeah we are having trouble sleeping yes and it's naturally it naturally, naturally happens when your estrogen decreases right yeah. exactly yeah. and yeah. then you know you've got like um you've got stress you've got you know you and i are uh like we're privileged because we have a home we, we have a family we, we choose the chose stress. the stress we chose the stress of being entrepreneurs we yeah. chose the stress we you know every day when we wake up we have a choice i and i'm sorry I didn't, I, this is a bit of a tangent but I just have to share with everybody my approach to life now is that I choose my stress. Yeah. And so it's, you know, sometimes you can't, we are very privileged that we are choosing to be an entrepreneur, right? And that's yeah. very stressful. And, um, you know, so, and we chose to have kids and that's stressful too, but also, yeah. okay, I'm not going to let my daughter's elaborate Halloween costume stress me out. No, she's 15. She can figure it out. Exactly. <laughs> so I've decided I'm choosing my stress now. <laughs> and when, it, when somebody doesn't want a brand, doesn't want to work with me, I'm like, okay, that's, that's fine. Yeah. It's not something else is going to come. Like I try, I try and like, um, that's helped a lot. Um, but that's also because I don't drink too. So it's, um, I'm not saying I'm not, I have no judgment, no, no criticizing of anybody out there, but I feel like I wouldn't have been able to handle this myself. Yeah. Myself. I would have been quick to anger, quick to stress. I would have been the yeah. victim melting down. Oh my God, this isn't working. And I think that like choosing to be alcohol free helps me weather those stressful storms good a little bit point. more. So yeah, anyway, sorry. So that is a really good yeah, point. So alcohol break, alcohol is an accelerant. Yeah. And I mean, we already have our cortisol working against yeah, us, right? right? So we've got sleep, we've got um, collagen, yeah. we've got weight gain. Yes. We are at increased risk for cancer. Yes. Like there's yeah. nothing good about a yeah. good glass of wine. Well, and let me tell you, I'm going to, the one big thing, this is a huge, like, mic drop when i tell people this they don't they've never heard this before okay speaking of weight gain so let's just say that you have a glass of wine and you have a piece of pizza your body is going to burn the wine calories first your body burns the ethanol calories first okay. always so let's just say that you have like 
1500 calories or 2000 calories in a day and like some of that and then you have a piece of, and then you have a piece, a piece of pizza on top of that which you know if you're drinking two or three glasses of wine and then you have you're yeah. hungry you're snacky you're, you're snacky you're eating pizza or for me it was crispers i would eat a whole bag of crispers every <laughs> night like not every night but a lot a lot like i would eat oh, crispers okay. a lot um and then i'll get to how i balance that out in a very negative way later but <laughs> yeah, there were some things i did neg- like you know anyway th- that were like to try and balance out the mental oh my god i ate a bag of crispers anyway you're in your body when you if you have a glass of wine and pizza your body's going to burn off the alcohol calories first so let's just say that you stick to your daily calorie budget of like you know 1500 calories or 2000 calories whatever that looks like yeah and then you have a glass of wine yep though your body's going to burn off the the alcohol calories first and that extra piece of pizza staying oh right so it's not it's not doesn't go all into one calorie yeah I thought it did. So if you have like 250 calories in a, in one cocktail, which sometimes if you go to a bar and you order a cat, like a, a high end cocktail, yeah. um, you know, they've got like maybe a fancy syrup in it. They've got a little bit of pear juice in it or something, right? If you go to a bar and order a cocktail like that, they can be like two to 200 to 250 calories, depending wow. on what you're ordering. Not always. Yeah. The more boozy your cal, the more boozy your drinks are you know a little bit lower because it's just booze but there's still calories in it so if you have like i was having like three to four glasses of wine a night so let's say that's like almost 500 calories in wine and i was also eating 2000 calories a day or whatever that was trying to be healthy eating my salads but i would you know then i would eat my bag of crispers yeah and your body burns the out the alcohol calories first even if you have like no no food in your system yep like it, you're, the, it goes for those because it's ethanol calories. It's the way that it, your, your body has to break it down first because it's the fastest to break down. Uh, it's the fastest source of energy. So even if you're eating a salad, yeah, it doesn't matter. You're not getting the nutrients from that salad until you're, you're and you've had three glasses of wine and milestones yeah. while you're waiting for your salad. <laughs> that never happened. Nobody ever did that. <laughs> never heard this story. Um, that, yeah, never heard that story. So um, that will break, the alcohol breaks down first the calories first and you don't get the nutrients in your salad and stuff until all that's finished so i'm not explaining this in a very scientific way so i'm but sure that you're not a scientist and i'm not a scientist i'm not a medical advisor <laughs> but i do know that like it's it's a calorie it's not actually like a, a calorie you know equal calorie calorie for calorie yeah, that's good to know yeah. i didn't know that yeah, and so i it, bet you a lot of people didn't know yeah, that. It, contri- it really contributes to weight gain it affects your metabolism and yeah so as we're getting older and, you know, I'm just dipping my toe into this whole thing of perimenopause, menopause, I'm turning mm. 47 next week. So it's like, mm. I'm still like at the early phases of this journey. There's, I haven't had a ton of impact yet, a little bit, a little bit of impact, but I've started to really read more about it and want to know more about like what's going to happen. And it's, everybody's like, oh, you gain weight around your belly and, uh, um, you know, all these sort of like things that are like standard for menopause. And so I've yeah. been reading about like what that means. What does it mean when you gain weight around your belly? And what? Do, and a lot of yeah. a lot of doctors are like, well, you have to cut back on the alcohol you drink. I'm like, well, I'm good there. Yeah, but that's <laughs> almost mark. worse because you're like, great. Now what do I cut back on? <laughs> yeah, well, for me, it's like I think uh, I need to. I, I have found that I eating more protein and stuff. Yes, and eating less, every like, meal. Yeah, added sugar. And so I don't want to be one of those people that's like, I don't eat sugar. I don't have caffeine. I don't have alcohol. I don't smoke. Like sometimes I want to smoke. I'm just saying like every uh, once yeah. in a while, I just want to have a fucking cigarette. Sorry, can I swear on this podcast? Yeah, we're, <laughs> so, we're all grown ups. Yeah. So sometimes I'm like, you know, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to cut out everything for my life, but 
No. Um, you know, but I do, uh, I do feel like, you know, the thing that I am working hard on right now is the, the refined sugar and like the added sugar. That's so that's, I've been reading good and that. hard. Yeah. Hard. So hard. So hard. That's but, harder than alcohol, if you ask yeah. me. But in menopause, I think it's going to be critical for yeah. like health and well-being is to, mm-hmm. you know, just keep an eye on it. I think I'm not, I am going to eat the brownies. I'm going to eat, eat the, the peanut brownies. butter decadent brownies. Yeah. But I'm going to be mindful. But about, you like, can't like deprive yourself, right? Yeah, you everything yeah. because that is the big biggest metric for failure and misery and misery I and mean, unhappy marriages and back <laughs> to alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, back to alcohol. It's like yeah, if you deprive yourself for too many things, you you the pendulum just, swings the other way, and then yeah, you just then you just and, sort of go, well, I screwed up yeah. this. I might as well go big. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that is really important. The one thing I want to say about perimenopause and menopause that, um, you know, I think. It's great that we're talking about it in the media. I'm gr- I'm so happy celebrities are talking about it and using their power for good. Yeah. But we need to change the way we talk about it. Yeah. Um, and we can't just keep saying these are the symptoms. And I, I got this from my little my buddy Shirley Weir of the menopause. Oh, chicks. menopause checks. Yeah. I, I like <laughs> I love the way she talks about it because she's progressive. Like she's not. She's dressing for the role she wants, right? Like, she's not talking about menopause where it is now. She's talking about it in the way she wants us to finally be talking about it. Yeah. Which is stop just relying on the fact that these are symptoms and live with it. Right. It is actually a cautionary sign that something is not right in your body. Yeah. And if you think about it, when you were younger and you had pain or aches or discomfort, that, your doctor would tell you, is a sign that your body is saying, hey, something's off here. Right. Yeah. So if you're gaining weight and you're feeling yucky and and your hormones are raging and you're yelling, you're crying, you're depressed, you have anxiety, whatever like yeah. joint pain that those are all it's still your body telling you yeah, hey yeah. something's, something's off. off yeah so don't just take no for an answer from your doctor don't take you're at that age it might be menopause or not it's not actually, menopause that is actually real that like you know sometimes you could you can have these symptoms and yeah. it's not menopause yes or you could be 38 and be going through menopause like there, i actually yeah. my, my ex-sister-in-law I apparently has hit menopause at 38. Yeah. Because um, she had three kids. I was going to say four. No, I have three nieces. <laughs> Come on, Sarah. So three, she had three kids and then, like, you know, has, has somehow started going through menopause, early menopause. And so I, I yeah, yeah, go to your doctor and don't take no for it. If you don't think it's menopause, then ask for the tests. Yeah. And the tests are tricky, too, because they're only a capture of that moment in time they take the test. They're not, like, showing you... What your blood work is like for the past month. So right. be careful about the tests. Oh yeah, sorry. Okay. I no, don't know no, but menopause. <laughs> no, I'm I, not the expert on this. You are. No, I'm not. I I curate from the experts and I bring the answers to people because I'm like you. I was like, I want to do a test. I see so many women on our platform say, "What test can I take?" Right. Is your period done for a year? No test needed. You're in menopause. But now figure out what's going on with your body that you can fix. But perimenopause, to me, is the most important time. Mm -hmm. Uh, It starts... That's important because I'm It's the runway to menopause. And if you can sort of course correct your health here and figure out what's going on... You're, you're in better position when you have your last period. Right. And this is the opportunity to get everything sorted out. Right. It's also the most misunderstood time of this yeah. whole phase of our lives. Yeah. We, we still have doctors and OB-GYNs saying perimenopause doesn't exist. It does. It is a thing. It is a fact. And women can start going into it as early as 35. 
Yeah, which is, that was really shocking to me to yeah. find out recently that you can go into And it can last 10, 15 years. Yeah. And yeah. another shocking myth is, that I need to bust here is I'm postmenopausal and everyone that I talk to is like, you're so lucky. I'm like, no, no, I'm not actually because I haven't really been taking care of myself. I kind of became postmenopausal yeah. just as I launched my business, went into a pandemic, broke oh, my geez. foot. Right. Like everything was actually worse for right. me. Right. And, you know, I still haven't been able to, you know, go and get everything properly looked right. at. I've started right. with my cardio, which every woman should start yeah, with. Yeah, that's great. That's so good. Yeah. I actually gave up running just at the beginning of the pandemic, which yeah. seems counterintuitive. Yeah. But my body was falling apart and I felt like intuitively in my gut that this wasn't good for me. Yeah. Um, so I've been really kind of, not it's not a struggle, but I've definitely been thinking about like, okay, I've got to make sure I've get my, I get my daily cardio. So I've been walking a lot. I was good. in, I was in good. the UK actually. And like, I walked like 25,000 steps a day almost like for, I was there for eight days and I think two of the days I walked less because I was working in an office there. Yeah. Oh. But the other days I was walking, walking around. I walked everywhere. I wanted to see everything. And I lost like 10 pounds. Wow. Just from walking. Like, and yeah. eating. I was eating tons of stuff. Like, I mean, hello, cafe culture in London. Like, donuts and coffee at least once a day or oh, croissant and coffee once a day yum, yum. so it made me see like wow walking is actually like really good yeah. for you it's not so, probably not so good at that level every day like on your joints and things but it's hard to do yeah. to maintain that yeah. every day yeah. too but I do you've got to have the time to yeah. do that you have to have the time again privilege not privilege. everybody can do that so yeah. another option too though is i've just in my basement i've been doing um you know like 20 minutes or 25 minutes of, of cardio, like cardio dance or, you know, something. Oh, good. Like, I love dancing. I was that person on the dance floor for the whole night when I was younger. And I'm like, yeah. you know, there's still part of me that wants to dance. And so I put on some fun music. I don't listen to the music in the video. No. I listen to my own music oh. and dance along with the moves. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. So yeah, cardio is huge. Cardio, yeah, cardio has become, you know, even though I gave up running at, early on in the pandemic, um, you know, I'm finding that like relief. Like another yeah. good way to get dopamine is like, you know, just yes. do 15, 20 minutes of cardio in your basement. And I'm, I am not perfect. I slept in this sure. morning. <laughs> There's no such thing as perfect. We've got another myth There's we no need such to bust. There's no such thing, another myth we need to fucking bust. I slept in this morning. Well, but here my alarm went off and then I was just, you know, I, as I'm getting older too, my body's a little more achy in the morning. Yes, like I'm, me too. I'm a little bit more like puffy and swollen. So I woke up and I was like, oh, it's Halloween. Yeah. And there's oh, all the stuff to do today. I and know. I was like, you're going to hate yourself if you don't get up and work out. I'm like, oh, well. <laughs> and I just snoozed uh, for a little bit. And then my daughter got up. But I mean, so I'm not perfect and I, and I can't work out every day, but like I try and get movement in like yeah. five times a week, right? And some sort of like elevated heart rate. Like yeah. it doesn't have to be, you don't have to run a marathon, you don't have to do hit workouts. I think that. Um, what I've read from all of my reading on like this age and what to do as you're aging, aging gracefully is like to get that some cardio in every day. So yeah, super critical because yeah. as our, our estrogen protects all of our organs. Yeah. So as we decrease estrogen, our, you know, our chance of cardiovascular disease goes up because right. our cholesterol right. goes up. Right. And that was, I found that out the hard way. I was in the danger zone. So, Ooh, you that's know, not good. but mine is a, uh, mine is a familial hereditary thing. Okay. Um, but still, this is why cardiovascular disease is number one killer women over 50. Right. right? I did not know that. So that's, that's it's true. Scary. And and you know what? Like some doctors will tell their patients, no, we're not going to check your cardio. Like we don't need to really yeah. check your cholesterol yeah. that yeah. heavily until you're 50. No. In, if you think about going into perimenopause, it should start earlier. It yeah. should start way earlier. Yeah. Yeah. That's really important. I, I, that's a good point actually about like, 
what do you ask your doctor to Ooh, yes. check? Like, and I don't know anything about that. So I'm going to have to like go back in your podcast and listen. Okay. To you do episodes. have to go back. <laughs> um, I worked with uh, Dr. Jillian Einstein um, at Mount Sinai and she actually has created a site um, with the, I think it's seven questions to take to your doctor. Okay. Oh, uh, that's so smart. Okay. It's so smart. And Shirley Weir has questions to take to your doctor. Like, Can you download that from your site? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I'll like Shirley's I will get okay. and, uh, and I'll share and it in it. our, okay. I have an alcohol question okay first of all can we try a little bit yeah so i just want to explain what i brought today because yes. this is um so we're we were talking about sugar earlier and this is the number one yes. question that i get from women who are thinking about maybe swapping out a glass of non-alcoholic wine for the the regular wine which i highly recommend as you don't have to cut it out all at once you can slowly sip on some good libations that are non-alcoholic so the number one question i get is like can you recommend a low sugar non-alcoholic wine because most older non-alcoholic wines. So some of the brands that have been around for a long time who are not of the times are, they have a lot of added sugar because yeah. when you take out the alcohol and you take out a lot of flavor. So people add in flavor yeah. via sugar. So this is called Brochette Zero. It's from France. It's a Sauvignon Blanc that doesn't have alcohol in it. Okay. Um, and it is really, Oh, I love the label. Yeah, it's nice. And it, I mean, you, if you took this to a party, nobody would really be able to tell that it was no. non-alcoholic. And so um, it's the sugar level, I think, is four grams or three grams per glass, which is actually really good. Um, 1.8 grams okay. per 100 ml. So like if you have a 200, like one serving is about 200 ml. So okay. it's about under four grams of sugar for a oh. glass. And so it's hard to get much lower than that without having the flavor. Yes, yeah. So a Sauvignon Blanc, um, this is from the Loire Valley also, which is where Sauvignon Blanc is from. Oh, nice. And so one of the big things about non-alcoholic wine right now is that um, winemakers are now getting involved in this. So it's not just a factory or a big corporate brand saying we're going to make a non-alcoholic product and put it on the shelf in the grocery store. There's wineries in France, oh, there's wineries you. in Italy and Spain and all over South Africa has a lot of great non-alcoholic wine and there's winemakers involved in the process. So um, they're, you know, they're making a regular wine, a premium non-alcohol, sorry, they're making a premium wine, like a regular wine, and then yeah. they're using an industrial process to remove the wine, but it's under the guidance of oh, a winemaker. Cheers. So cheers. If you can you just take a little. I can smell. smell it's asparagus-y, like it's yes. citrusy. Citrus, asparagus, grassy. Mm -hmm. fresh grass it so, smells exactly like, like Sauvignon a Sauvignon Blanc. Blanc right and so a winemaker has worked really hard to make sure that the nose on this is what you expect from a Sauvignon Blanc because when you smell a wine the aroma is what opens up your your palate and your or your taste buds for the experience that you're having so yeah um that's a really key part of it is like to make sure that the aroma is sometimes you'll taste a wine it doesn't smell anything like the smell and taste are different so now, what are you tasting on your palate? Last night's wine? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, it does taste citrusy. It tastes, it tastes like wine. Like it tastes uh -huh. like. Uh -huh. And this so, is the problem I have with non-alcoholic wines. Because I and grass, grass. And it lemon. is like yeah. I can imagine this in the summer, yeah. nice and chilled. This yeah. is chilled, so yeah. it's a little warmer than it should be because I just I was sitting mm. on the counter for a bit, but. But I love it. I love it. I do. And I'm not a white wine drinker. Okay. But I would drink this. But I'm not a white wine drinker because it makes me loopy. This is not going to make me loopy. No, this won't make you loopy. And so this yeah, is... Yeah, because um, this will be just like a... Yeah. And I'm just going to warn you, you're drinking this and you'll have, you know, half a glass or whatever while we're chatting. And then about an hour later or even 20 minutes later, you're going to be, you're going to feel an odd sensation of not being tipsy. 
oh, okay. And it's like, <laughs> and it's an odd sensation because you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. That's so true you're because wa- you're waiting for that yeah. warm you, feeling. Yeah, your mouth is connected to your, your, neur- your like neural pathways are, your mouth is tasting the, the what is sort of like alcohol. Yeah. And your neural pathways are like, okay, Here we're we- getting ready. Here we go. We're going to, we're getting drunk <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> we're going to like cause some mayhem in your body. Mm-hmm. And then um, it doesn't happen. So it's, this is the it's very disconcerting for some people to, to like have a non-alcoholic gin and tonic, for instance, and like expect to be like tipsy in 10 minutes. And it's yeah. like, oh, I feel good. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. a little bit disconcerting in a good, in a really good way. Yeah. You're, you're drinking something that tastes delicious. It's elevated. If you take this to a, a girl's night mm-hmm. and just don't tell anybody it's non-alcoholic, you keep it. You say, oh, I brought my own wine. Yeah. You're sitting there with your friends having, having some wine. Don't make a big deal of it. Nobody would ever know. No. And you wouldn't know because you're, not, not that you wouldn't know, you're feeling included. You've got a yeah. wine and a beautiful wine glass. Yes. Let's get down to the social aspect of alcohol mm-hmm. because I have two things to say about this. Um, one, yes, when you're out, you feel like you want something in your hand. Um, you know, like when people quit smoking, they usually replace it with alcohol because they, they hand yeah. to mouth. Yeah, you there's know? an oral there's an oral part of it for sure. So Eating. if you're leaving alcohol behind, you still want that. Yeah, I ate a know? lot of sugar at the beginning when I chose this. Like oh, I just okay. I always reinforce this. I chose this. I yep. didn't like have to go to recovery or anything. I just made this active choice. But to... you're one of so many people doing this. Yeah, yeah. You know, like for health reasons, for clarity, yeah, for mental health yes. reasons. Yeah. And so what I did at the beginning was I just you know I would snack on candy i'd always have candy around the house or like i mean it was in the middle of COVID, so i'm just going yeah when you know whenever i was getting groceries delivered i'd have like you know jumbo bags of like skittles and stuff coming it would be black licorice for me me too i love oh, black I licorice love i black love black nobody I, likes oh, black licorice. i love black licorice it's my favorite I, I just finished a whole bag of twizzlers I'll last t- okay. week promise whenever it's on sale at shoppers we got to okay. alert each other okay okay i will send you an emergency emergency text. black licorice like, okay oh god it's my favorite okay it so is. yeah i ate a ton of black licorice okay skittles and black licorice are like the things that got me through and i wasn't bare knuckling it like i wouldn't say it's like oh my god i gotta have my skittles you know because i can't have my wine was more like i'm that hand to mouth you know yes. it's the habit the habitual thing and then yep. i read a really good book it was called um the power of habit it's got a yellow black and red cover on it i'll have to share okay. it um i'll you know we can share it in the show notes um afterwards but it was really helpful it wasn't about drinking okay. it wasn't about drinking it was about um keystone habits which are things uh, that okay. you make one change ha- habitual change in your life it affects all the others it's called a keystone habit so if you stop eating uh, fried food, for instance, that habitually leads to other better decisions. Oh, okay. So and yes, it, and so that makes t- sense. The, part of it was the last part of the book was about industrial and and like in businesses habits that employees have. So okay, that was interesting, but not really relevant to the person. But the first half of the book is really really key about like your neural pathways, and they talked about actually. I'm going to share this story because it's really important to, I think help people understand how powerful your brain is when it comes to this kind of stuff. This, um, they talked about a man who had uh, complete amnesia, like complete amnesia. Like he couldn't remember even like, you know, a second, a second in the, in the past, like okay. he was completely had complete amnesia, brain damage, um, but functional. And so he had to have 24 seven care. For instance, he couldn't go out for a walk by himself because he couldn't, he wouldn't be able to figure out his way home. He could, he wouldn't yeah. know his address. He wouldn't know where he was. So 
one day his care caregiver realized that like so every day they would go out for a walk around the block and um you know that that became like a a kind of a routine right and this this man had severe amnesia and he went he one day his caregiver was looking around the house for him and couldn't find him and the man had gone out for a walk everyone was looking for him everywhere your worst nightmare but he he was on the same route that he walked every day even though he had no capability of remembering oh, it was the same route yeah yeah his brain at its deepest level knew knew it was imprinted on him yeah the route so i read that and i was like so my brain is imprinting at a deeper level that alcohol is the thing that i reach for yeah and it's a habit and so you know these are little things that kind of helped me you know figure figure out how to deal with all this. So the, yeah, so the candy then came into like, okay, the candy's going to be a way I can bridge that habit. Yep. And then it took me a really long time to wean off candy, <laughs> to be honest. But it was like, it was really nice for a while to just be like, I'm going to have some ice cream because that's yes. that, because that, I can't, yeah. I'm not having wine. So I'm like, I'm choosing to have ice cream now. And um, that I tried not to let that become a habit, but you know, you've got it there. There is that oral habit. Of, yeah. Like I've got to put something in my mouth to be, to feel complete and satisfied. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Let's talk about why people drink because Ooh, yeah. I think that's really, it plays a big role in the decision yeah. to yeah. be sober curious or yes. sober. Yeah. Um, you know, if it's not just a flavor thing. Right. right yeah. And I mean, I, I, it is a nice feeling to get that warm wine buzz, but let's face it, why are, why are you doing that? Yeah. For me, Greg will say, my husband will say, I think you're really stressed out. I noticed you're drinking a lot of wine this week. And I, I don't put it together. I just think, okay, I had a really busy day. I'm going to cook and yeah. a glass of wine. Yeah. But then I have another. Yeah. And then the feeling comes in and you're like, oh, this feels good. I'm going to have another. Yeah. And then I realize, yeah, I'm trying I'm, I'm using this feeling to wash away my stress. Right. And I think a lot of, you're not alone. I think that's exactly what I used to do too. I, I know that's what I did. And I think a lot of people do that um, to wash away the stress of the day, to disconnect, to yeah. relieve yourself of thinking yeah. about the day because, you know, it, it affects your thought process. It affects your executive function. It affects your memory. It's all the things. So if you have three glasses of wine, it's affecting all those things. So, um, but then it's also on the negative, you know, on the negative side of things, then um, you're a little bit less, a little bit less lucid, a little bit more sloppy, not sloppy, but like, yeah, unmo- sorry, when I, I don't mean sloppy. I mean, unmotivated. Yep. Right. Yep. So you've made dinner and then you're like, you're feeling all warm and happy and you're like, I'll leave the dishes for tomorrow. Yes. You know, so it becomes oh, yeah. this like chain. Nothing like, happens after dinner except for TV right. or like sitting on my laptop. Yeah. And I mean, there's times you need to relax. I yeah. would say nothing should happen after dinner anyway, whether you drink wine or not, you should yeah. use that time to de-stress. It's not as easy to do when you have kids and a family and a dog and all that kind of stuff. Like, um, but, um, I think that it, for me, the biggest thing that changed was the connection to, okay, back to the question, why do you drink? For mm-hmm. me, I realized part of it, I was on autopilot. Yeah. And part of it was this, nobody ever questions it. No, so nobody ever questions having a glass of wine. It's like, it's, um, you know, it was for me, it was just like, oh, something I did something yeah. women do. Yeah. There, there wasn't anything, I mean, there's lots of other deeper stuff, 
in my past. We all have for stuff. For sure. I was going to say, it's not just stuff. stress. It's... I've got a ton of stuff I've got to work through from like, you know, or I have worked through from, you know, with my growing up with, with my parents and like, you know, acceptance of myself and all those types of things. I wasn't able to do that until I stopped drinking because it, it forced me to, to have to deal with these things head on. Wow. That's, that's interesting. Really head on. And so like, there are certain things that I've, I've, I are very painful to deal with, but I, I did it because I could be present enough to, to know I have to yeah. face this head on Yeah. and that drinking wasn't going to take away what happened in the past. It was me looking, instead of looking back um, and trying to forget about it. It was like looking back, healing and moving, looking forward at how I can, yeah. you know, but it was that connection to being present every day that also during the pandemic, because this was, you know, the beginning of this journey for me was like the beginning of the pandemic. I was able to not dwell on the, the, like what ifs. Yeah. I was really present in the moment. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't, I didn't have a glass of wine and sit on the couch and watch the news and worry about, Oh my God is, you know, what happens if, um, so yeah, there was, there was a whole, why people drink that for everybody has a different reason, but I think at the deepest core of it, people are drinking because it's a thing we do. Yeah. It's on autopilot. And then there's other things too, where if you have a, if you're in a gray, if you're a gray area drinker, like a serious, so gray area drinking is you don't have a serious, you're like, you're not an alcoholic, but you also can't moderate. Like you're not one of those people that just has like a couple of glasses of wine a week. Like, right. Um, so gray area drinking, there's a spectrum of gray area drinking and a lot of women fall into this. Oh, I'm definitely in the, as I pick up my wine. I am the gray area. You're not alcoholic wine though. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, um, so gray area drinking. Um, oh my gosh, I've totally lost my tangent now on that. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were talking about why we drink and yeah. like not being present to yeah. deal with problems oh, yeah. from so the I past. Think, yeah, so I think that like you know on the, on the surface of it, most people are drinking because it's the thing we do. It's the, it's the dumb yeah. thing. You yeah. know, you grab your glass of wine when you're cooking dinner, especially as a woman, and and then underneath that, when you have deeper issues connected to alcohol, which uh, and I just want to share with it, everybody on here, if you feel like you are having a if you are really worried about your relationship with alcohol, you should reach out to somebody, reach out, you know, go on Instagram, find some, find coaches, doctors, medical professionals, like recovery centers, whatever you feel yeah, like you don't idea. have to go to AA, but you want, you need to talk to somebody. If you have, if you're scared about your relationship with alcohol, please this, I'm not a medical expert. And so this is just my experience and I'm a non-alcoholic drinks expert. That's what I can advise you on. Yes. <laughs> um, but if you feel like you have a problem with drinking, you do need to go talk to somebody, find somebody, connect with an Instagram community, um, you know, do the things you need to do to, to get yourself into a, a knowledgeable place about how to, how to get out of that relationship with alcohol. But for the most part, I think most people um, in the gray area spectrum are, are not that far enough along where they're drinking to get rid of like trauma. Yeah. Like, so I think there are people who do that, but there's also, there's not, um, you know, I think most people are just drinking cause it is the thing that we all do or, or they're going to an event and it, you know, squashes that social anxiety you feel yes, right. You're less of, inhibited. Yeah. Yeah. You're, but... I think actually that's true. There are a lot of people and I can't, I was never like that. I'm a real social butterfly. Yeah, so I'd go out to too. events and sometimes I'd even forget to have drinks at events yep. for the first hour. So I'd be so busy talking to people. And then like my husband would shove a drink in my hand and great. Okay, good. I've got a drink now. Yeah. Um, but so I do know though, that it is, you know, there are people who, um, you know, do have social anxiety and, yeah. and they do use a glass of wine or whatever when they or a drink when they get to an event to like loosen up and like relieve some of that anxiety. So there's, there's that reason for people drinking and um you know it's everybody has their own story and their own reason for it um what the bottom line is is that we just we just accept 
all of these reasons. Okay, yeah. well, you've had a traumatic childhood, you better have a glass of wine. Yeah. You know, like something triggered you, you know, for me, there was tons of stuff that would, would like, I'd snap about, or I'd, it would be really triggering. Yeah. And I'd be like, I'm just going to have a glass of wine. Yeah. You know, and, and, and forget that I, I don't want to think about that. Yeah. And yeah. so it's like, it, it shuts you down. It shuts you down. And so uh, two things, one, you know, by choosing alcohol free lifestyle, uh, I'm much more present, but on the other hand, I had to face things head on. And now I have to, and now I have to face everything head on now. There's no escape. I don't like every once in a while, I'm like, I should probably get into CBD or something. <laughs> Cause like something, but then I realized that's my own addictive personality. I think that wants something. I, I agree. Like I, um, I don't always have wine. I'll mm-hmm. have, um, I have gel tablets, prescription okay. gel yeah. tablets yeah. to help me go to sleep. And, um, there are about 10 milligrams okay. of CBG and CBD. Okay. But I notice if I don't go to sleep within the first 20 minutes, it right. starts to kick in okay. the CBG part. Yeah. And then my mind starts to race. So I kind uh, of, okay. but sometimes if we're like having a long family movie night, <laughs> I'll take the CBG earlier and yeah. let it kick in because yeah. then I get this nice, really mellow. Mm. I don't need wine or anything. I just yeah. feel really yeah. mellow, Yeah. but it's still a crutch. A like, little bit, yeah. Why can't I just feel mellow watching TV? Well, and I can't feel mellow at all ever. I'm, yeah. and it's, it's some people we are, we are just, that's the way we're wired. Yeah. And, I'm wired you know, that and way. 200 years ago, we were the farmers, the, the, you know, we were the wives who were cooking all night and like in a, you know, in a different structured domestic society. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like women like us were the ones, the crafters, the doers, the quilters, the like social butterflies that were getting everybody out to like, our role as like that person that can't sit still has, yeah. you know, in this society, it's, it's evil now because it's like, so there's hard. so, so much, so much stimulus now. Well, there is. And then they wonder why ADHD wasn't around well, all those years it, ago. It probably was. It was just different. It was. Yeah. Or there, maybe they like, I don't know, maybe they weren't forced into this, you know, um, habit of looking at one thing at a time. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. if I was a farmer, yeah, I'd be out there doing farmy things yeah it's like well i don't know what farmers do either i didn't grow up but i'm like i was i'm I'm assuming that like you know the the women like us were we existed 200 years ago adhd was around 200 years ago or 300 years ago whatever it's always been around it's just that um you know either we were put in a mental asylum oh yeah (laughs) along with our hysteria Uh, hysteria, or we were the political activists we were the ones Uh that were like or you know what i mean like that's what we did something with it we did something with all this pent-up energy right and so for sure there was not as much acceptance of like women who were you know like us many many years ago but aside from the point aside from that i think that like not being able to sit still has been uh, you know, that was another reason that I wanted to, that I realized after the fact, I yeah. realized I drank wine to sit, to stay still. That's a good point. Yeah, right? I feel like, like I do too, because otherwise I'm up and doing something. Yeah. I'm really hyperactive and part of like, you know, and I, please do not feel sorry for me. This is not a statement to make anybody feel sorry for me, but like, I was sort of that hyperactive kid where people would say to me, like, why are you so hyper? Can't you just <laughs> calm down? Like you're so hyper. Sarah's so hyper. And it used to be a real, ne- real negative thing. Yeah. And so for my whole life, I went through thinking like, oh my God, it's a bad thing that I'm a hyper. But um, now I realize that's my best thing about me is that I'm energetic and I have a message and I'm an advocate for things. Yeah. And I have enough energy to, to balance being a business owner and a, and a mom and all the things that I do. It's not necessarily a bad thing. So, um, but except, except when I need to relax. And then yeah. I'm like, what do I do? Yeah, that's, that is where I have a hard time unwinding because 
watching TV doesn't relax me. Um, watching a movie doesn't really relax me. Yeah. So I bring my laptop. Yeah. And I've got a million things going. I've got my laptop, my phone, the TV. Yep. And, and my kids always say, Mom, yeah. put it down. Get off your phone. <laughs> Get off your screen. Because I say that to them. <laughs> yeah, When exactly. they're supposed to be doing something. But <laughs> <laughs> well, we're allowed. It's, it's do as I say, not, not as, as I, I do. do. <laughs> our, kids are, uh, our kids are learning from strong women, though. Yeah. Our true. kids are learning from and, and watching strong women who are not taking no for an answer, who are, you know, forging our own paths. Yeah. Doing things and talking about topics that are a little bit taboo right yeah so yep. i think it's important that we set that example and for me my kids are, are both of them i mean my son is such a rebel he's probably gonna drink and smoke weed and do all the things like <laughs> but i'm giving him permission to do that and experiment because like yeah. i can't control i can't control that he has to decide for himself yeah i just have to explain to him what the ramifications are and show him by yeah. example and my daughter is like no i'm never drinking ever because she has you know, there are some things that she remembers that weren't intentional on my part, but that yeah. have really like affected her. And okay. so she remembers my breath smelling like wine when I put her to bed. Uh, and that killed me when yeah. I found that out. Oh, it I don't even want to ask my daughter that question. I'm not asking her. Don't ask. No. Cause you know, it probably know. is true. And like, you don't want to know, but it's not that you don't want to know. You just, you know, for me, I found out after I stopped mm -hmm. drinking. So I wish she had said something earlier, but you know, she's, she was little, she didn't know. She no, didn't want to hurt her no. mom's feelings. So now would you get wine breath with this? A little bit. You do. She says, she's, I asked her once, I'm like, do I have wine breath when I have non-alcoholic wine? She said, yeah, a little bit, but it's not as bad because there's no alcohol in it. There's so no alcohol and it's not, um, it's just a flavor. It's not creating a message. Yeah. And there's no like emollient in it. Like alcohol is a bit of an emollient. So it like st stays like in your mouth and throat and that's oh. what causes that kind of like wine breath okay um so it, it's just it's kind of just sugar it breaks down so this, it's is, not a, this is really good it's really good right yeah this is really <laughs> so if good you're listening it's brochette zero b-r-o-c-h-e-t zero sauvignon okay. blanc and um i think it's about 20 bucks a bottle and i'm gonna explain before everybody gets an arm up in arms about the price on that <laughs> <laughs> non-alcoholic wine is because it takes an extra step so it's made as a regular excuse me a regular wine and then they remove the alcohol from it it's an extra step it's extra time on the winemaker's part extra energy on yeah you know for the the plant making you know doing this this process so it is a little bit more expensive non-alcoholic wine is in the same category as beyond beef it's not okay, as cheap so as hamburger yeah. you're paying a little bit of a premium to well have you're something. paying to have something that has you know extra layers of manufacturing yeah operation and, plus and, and that's what this is and so people say oh my god how come non-alcoholic wine is so expensive and i'm gonna buy the ten dollar non-alcoholic wine at the grocery store instead instead of this oh well go for it you're yeah. not gonna like it I'm and then you're you. gonna see that was my perception of non-alcoholic yeah wine like i've tried um i've tried a few i i don't drink beer anyway but i never got non-alcoholic beer but i get it now because of this yeah but so here's my thing i would never have converted i'm not even kidding you even till today i'm like she's not gonna get me she's not gonna get me <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know this was a competition to get you you're gonna she's not gonna win me over uh, <laughs> that's so funny. I, I don't want to win anyone over unless you're like i want to be won over okay, okay, so okay. um so what i like about this <laughs> is when i've had non-alcoholic wines they're like i don't they're like juice. pop they're like a sugary juice like to me juice, yeah. Yeah, yeah they don't have the heavy body the full bodiness yeah. nothing nothing yeah. they're nothing like wine yeah. to me 
So um, those are though generally like if something is ten dollars a bottle, like it's yeah, it started out as a five dollar wine or a four dollar yeah. wine, and then it's like so think about the the byproduct. It's the byproduct of it of a shitty wine. Mm-hmm. So it's it. This was the the realm of if you think about it this way, ten years ago, even five years ago, non alcoholic wine was the realm of like grandma who couldn't drink. Right. Yeah, yeah. And like O'Doul's was granddad's six pack of non-alcoholic yeah. beer, right? <laughs> that was the that was the image of non-alcoholic wine. It wasn't expensive and there was no like there's even there's a huge brand in the US called Frey, F R E, and it's not even the greatest wine, but they have like fifty percent market share because oh. there's so many they they they've been in, in grocery stores for so long that that's they've just got a built in market of all these people who yeah. are, are accepting that that's what non-alcoholic wine tastes like. And it's not terrible but some of their some of their styles their red wine is absolutely heinous but um it's it's, it's cheap it's cheap it's like 10 or 10 or 9 yeah. us for a bottle right yeah um so i so then what now we're in an era where winemakers are making this wine at vineyards that's with premium grapes that's the important part yeah. like i would drink a red wine like i would drink a california cab sap non-alcoholic yeah no problem if i knew it was yeah. gonna taste yeah. similar to similar. what i would yeah. expect yeah but this is like see before we had this chat today this was the whole zucchini pasta thing for me like if i want pasta and i'm on keto yeah. and i do zucchini pasta it doesn't taste like pasta it's not pasta and so let's stop trying to make zucchini pasta yeah. and then yeah. i was thinking about you know, if you're somebody who's drinking, not because you enjoy the taste, but because you enjoy the numb, numbing yeah, yeah, yeah. nature of this it. This isn't going to do it for you. No, like, gonna... well, no, it, it still would, I would imagine, but because it maybe once your brain is yeah. completely reprinted, then you yeah. realize you're not getting anything. But, um, oh no, I'm going to lose my thought. It's going. Zucchini. Okay. So if you are someone who's drinking to numb, you are drinking because you have a drinking problem. A substance use disorder. A yeah. substance yeah. abuse problem. Um, and you change, you swap out um, wine for non-alcoholic wine. Having a hard time articulating this. Like, don't you really just want to disconnect them from alcohol altogether? This is a huge question. It, it, okay. it's, it's very valid. It's a very valid question. Okay. So there, there are, there are people on that spectrum of like, that need to completely, completely cut like, themselves be off. away from the lifestyle. And a altogether. lot of people do that. A lot of people are like, I don't even want to try this at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, they'll go right to sparkling water and coffee. Yeah, that is, there's no problem with that. Like do that. If that's what you need to do every there, this is the thing that I, I always tell people there used to be one way to not drink alcohol. And that was to go to AA. Yeah. And AA has a bit of an archaic approach to it as well. Well, if you think about, okay, so there's a huge, um, there's a huge stigma around the word sober and around like, you know, oh my God, you can't drink alcohol. Oh my God. There's a stigma around that. Yeah. And why do we think that is because alcoholics anonymous yeah made their a stigma the name their name itself anonymous creates a stigma yeah from the 1930s you have to go and be anonymous when you're going to alcoholics anonymous because there's a stigma it's it's, yeah. it's a shameful thing wow so right from the 1930s this narrative has been programmed by aa and their christian methodology that it's there's a stigma and you should be ashamed 
And when you are an AA, often, and I'm sorry, please don't yell at me or send Jackie messages about this. <laughs> this is my it. opinion. My opinion is that when you're an AA, you spend the rest of your life white knuckling it, that you are the problem and you have to avoid alcohol because it's your fault. Yeah. I have the, diff you know, Annie Grace wrote a book called This Naked Mind, and that's the the tome that I live by, which is alcohol is this is an addictive substance. It's not us. Yeah, sure. Some people have addictive personalities yep. and they have you know, I do. genetic, you know, me too. And um, so there's always a little bit of that. But you don't say somebody's a cocaineaholic or a smokeaholic. They're a smoker, they're a drug user, a drug abuser, or whatever. Drug, yeah. Um, yeah. Or they're addicted to a substance or if they're, you know, if they have a problem with, um, with drugs or addicted to drugs. Yeah. We say, oh, if somebody's an alcoholic making them the problem the holic part that's where alcoholics anonymous has has ruined ruined all of this work like ruined this whole idea of like being able to heal from the connection yeah. to alcohol so for for since the 1930s like almost 100 years we've lived under this umbrella like it's you're the problem and you have to be anonymous because it's shameful to have to to have because you had a problem with an addictive substance yeah so said so the people smoking cigarettes <laughs> oh don't get me started on cigarettes <laughs> i have a whole thing about like why cigarettes and alcohol are so like the way that they mm. the way that the, the path of how cigarettes and alcohol came about to their to the zeitgeist are very similar and how they're you know it's the way we get we're never going to get rid of alcohol necessarily and we're never going to get rid of cigarettes either but like there's a lot of similarities in how i'm not surprised big alcohol and this is getting into like a topic where I, you know, I can really get on a soapbox. So I'm going to try not to, <laughs> but um, big alcohol many, many, many years ago took a page out of um, big tobacco's handbook. And so mm. there was a, there was a guy named Edward Bernays. He's the father of spin. And he basically created, um, he created some of the biggest PR coups in the world to get people to smoke specifically women to smoke. And I'm not going to get into it here. You have to look it up. Edward Bernays, Macy's Day Thanksgiving Parade, 1930s or something. And then Google that and you'll, you'll read okay. all about it. Big L, he, he was like the father of this, like getting people, putting cigarettes in movies, getting oh, grand placement in yeah, movies in yeah. Hollywood, right? So where, where did we start saying, I need a cigarette because I've had a hard day or I need a drink because I have I had a yeah, hard day. Yeah. It's from movies. Oh, it's from social. Like, so this is, this is the world that we have been in. And now there's people like me that are saying enough yeah um you we don't have, need to we don't need, we don't need that in our we don't life. need that in our lives and so back to the alcoholics anonymous thing like there's um you know you can you can choose your own adventure yeah <laughs> and like so people who are really drinking to numb they're um you know if they need to cut out completely anything that's similar to to, to wine yeah. or beer or spirits then you have to do that so for a lot of other people like me i was i wasn't um i i really really couldn't believe that i was gonna have to go the rest of my life without having something that tastes like wine wine or that's your problem non-alcoholic spirits or whatever like i i'm like there can't be just sparkling water and i started researching so in a little bit of a background, I, many years ago, was hoping to become a sommelier. So I was actually studying wine. Oh, I was, it was going to be my side hustle. Like, okay. I mean, but then I had kids and it was like, so I had gone to wine courses. I used to do blind wine tastings with my girlfriends and like put black cardboard around bottles so that they couldn't tell what it is and ask them to see if they could name it and what <laughs> region and varietal. And they'd be like, we don't care. We just want to drink the wine. I'd be like, come on, it's Merlot from France or whatever, you know? Um, so I spent a lot of time researching and reading about wine, obsessing over wine. And then wine got in the way of, of that <laughs> because I started drinking way too much wine. And um, 
I never, so I've been, you'll be being able to utilize a lot of my, those skills and knowledge in, in this field. But when I, so when I stopped drinking, I was like, oh my God, like I need to find something. I started researching and finding out that in the UK, they were way far ahead of us. They were already there. They were already manufacturing things like non-alcoholic spirits and there was non-alcoholic wine coming out, like better non-alcoholic wine coming out. And uh. then the US sort of started following behind as I started going through this. And so that's how I got into this area. But because I wasn't like, a, oh my God, I can't be near alcohol at all. Um, I was like, I want to, I want to replace. Yeah. So some people need to cut out completely. Other people are going to be like, I don't want to drink again, but I need to replace it with something. Yeah. And then there's other people that are like, you know what? It's Friday night. I'm going over to my girlfriend's. I just don't feel like drinking tonight. I'm going to grab a bottle of non-alcoholic wine and take yeah. it with me. Yeah. The issue right now in Canada specifically, not so much in the U.S., but in Canada is that you really can't go and get a good premium bottle of non-alcoholic yeah, wine on your you? way to a girlfriend's, right? No, where are you getting these? We're getting, well, I get them sent to me because this is my field, but like you, you'd have to order it online. You have to think ahead and it's, it's, we're, we'll, we'll get there eventually. Mm-hmm. Slowly but surely there's more and more places where you can pop in and get non-alcoholic wine. There's one down the street here that I can tell you about, but you know, we live in Toronto. We live in an urban center. If yeah, you live in Sudbury or if you live in somewhere, you know, north of Winnipeg, you're not, you can't just go to a store and get no. a good non alcoholic wine so it's going to take another 10-15 years probably for it to be sort of like that essential item in grocery stores good quality and corner stores like you're going to be able to find the good stuff right now and maybe not as expensive too not as expensive the price is going to go down big big global brands are starting to get into the game so um you know there's a guinness 0.0 which is absolutely fantastic it tastes exactly like guinness it's crazy because stouts have a lower alcohol content anyway so okay. the guinness zero with that 0.5 percent is like oh my god this tastes like exactly like the real thing so guinness is a huge global brand um you know there's a ton of other like tanqueray has a zero point zero proof gym uh, um, you know so little by little uh it's impossible vodka has no flavor yeah so there's nothing left over to take the alcohol out it's just water so um what one of the, the biggest sort of things that's happening now is that like, you know, grocery stores, retailers, small corner stores and stuff are really trying to figure out what to carry. Yeah. What can they carry? What are people going to buy? We're still in like early stages of this adaptation by people to or sorry, adoption by people of knowing that they can go out and get a good quality, like premium non-alcoholic wine. Mm. It's going to be years before they can do that, but I don't want to discourage anyone from ordering stuff online. There's lots of marketplaces online. Okay. If you're Maybe listening we can in, share some. Yeah. If you're listening in um, Canada or the U.S., you can go to Better Roads. And so Better Roads is .com or .ca. They've, they've got one in uh, both the U.S. and Canada. Uh, that's Better Roads, R-H-O-D-E-S. Okay. Um, there they've got like, you know, an okay selection of things, but those are, those are, that's one company that straddles both the U S and Canada. Um, and then, you know, on my website, somegoodcleanfun.com, I've got a list of where to buy, where to buy. So if you go to somegoodcleanfun.com, click on where to buy, there's a whole list of like online retailers that you can go to just for Canada. And we're expanding out into the, now into the U S like where can you go? There's just so many places now in the U S so yeah, lots of grocery stores have athletic brewing company, which is a great non-alcoholic beer. They're like the biggest non-alcoholic beer company right now. Like, um, craft beer, great quality. They're in grocery stores. They're in total lines. They're in, you know, whole foods has them here in Canada. Oh, okay. Oh, if you go to whole foods actually. So in Canada or the U S if you go to whole foods, they've got a, they're starting to grow their selection good. and they have good stuff. Okay. Yeah. Good. Um, cause I'm looking for a nice red a heavy yeah that's gonna jammy. be that's tough so this is my caveat to this and i was gonna say this earlier and i forgot <laughs> but you're a red wine lover um it's that's the hardest thing in, in the all in the, all of the world of non-alcoholic so spirits beer and wine red wine 
like beefy, full-bodied red wine like a cast is sav. literally almost the only thing that's impossible to make because the, the reason why it's full-bodied is because of the alcohol. Okay. And when you remove the alcohol, it takes out a lot of that stuff and it's very difficult to replicate that back in. Some okay. brands are getting really close. There's one called Luminara. I'll bring you a bottle. Uh, Luminara Napa Red. And the interesting thing about this is that they've started putting the vintage on it. So, you know, previously non-alcoholic wine was a blend. Yeah. <laughs> right now, yes. now they're getting into like, okay, this is a capsule. This is a Sauvignon Blanc. This bottle right here, uh, it has a vintage on it. So you can see on the back, it says 2021. Mm -hmm. And so the Napa Valley Luminara red also is like vintage like 2020 like so it's it's so it's a 2020 so every year they're going to start getting better and better okay at it so um look out for that one the luminara napa valley red blend i think is what it's called um and so check that out that's the closest i would say that to a big beefy yeah. red wine there's another one from south africa it's not as big and, and beefy but it's tannic and that's okay. the other thing that people want. They want tannins, right? Yeah. So white wine doesn't have tannins in it. No. Um, so you can kind of get away with like the, you know, not having a, tan it needs more acidity. It's easier to, to have acidity in a non-alcoholic wine than it is to replicate tannins. So, um, and tannins are from alcohol. So they come out, when you remove the alcohol, you remove oh. a lot of the tannins. So you have to work really hard at the industrial process when you remove the alcohol of trying to keep some of the tannins in that 0.5% okay. of alcohol that's left. Yeah. So this is the innovation that we're going through right now. And okay. this is really interesting for me, but not for everybody. So <laughs> I'm just thinking if we can clone a sheep, I think we can clone a calf. That is how that was exactly what I thought three years ago. I'm like, for God's sake, if we can have hamburgers made of beans. Why wine. can't we have wine that doesn't have alcohol in it? And I think I was I was ahead of my time because you were, you, know, you are, now, you still are. Yeah, we're getting there. I sometimes feel like in, it's we're reaching a fever pitch even though we're not because I'm it's it's like I'm in the I'm in it all day long and I see all these articles about how yes. non-alcoholic industry is booming whatever it's because I see it all the time but then I talk to people out in the real world who have no connection to the non-alcoholic space and they're like yeah oh there's non-alcoholic wine it still shocks me that people don't know that there's well, non -alcoholic spirits like, I agree it still shocks me that women don't know what perimenopause is <laughs> but, but like because I talk about it all day right yeah right yeah, and yeah, then yeah. I realize that you know this audience we don't know what we don't know so we don't ask yeah. those questions because we yeah. don't know so yeah yeah so this is a there's there's a whole lot of learning i still i think still to be done about like alcohol and menopause and i but you know at the end of the day my thing is like if you can choose something that tastes kind of like wine 90 percent like wine you know yeah it's the next 10 percent is about mindset shift yeah and so and if you can if you can understand how impactful that is on on perimenopause on menopause, on postmenopause, oh, yes. by even once or twice a week choosing something non-alcoholic, it can make a difference. I think I think it can make a huge difference. It's just like for me, it's not just about menopause and peri. It's about women's health in general. It's mm -hmm. about the yeah. way as a mom that we role model. Yeah. You know, yes, like I'm not yeah. teaching good coping skills. Yeah. If my daughter sees me grab a glass of wine every yeah. time my husband and I have an argument or I've had a bad day, you yes. know, that's yeah. terrible role yeah. modeling. Yeah. Like I should be going for a walk. I should just meditate. I should just show her how to self-regulate. Yeah. Go easy on yourself though, because you've learned this from generations. And yeah. also maybe not generations, but you've learned this, yeah. from, you know, from everybody else too. And from 
the social kind of conversation out there of like you this is a learned behavior yeah this is you just go easy on yourself that you now you have to unlearn it yep and no judgment to anybody if you're drinking wine after you have an argument with your husband i totally understand that (laughs) (laughs) and sometimes kids can be assholes so no (laughs) they can and husbands cannot (laughs) that's another that's another topic for another day so i think that like yeah don't don't be so hard on yourself go easy on yourself and if you're you know if you're listening right now and feeling guilty for the way you're parenting and drinking whatever don't don't like it just it's baby steps yeah and you know think about i always say everybody's heard this before but like you you know put your life vest on first yes and or the oxygen is, mask. or the oxygen mask or whatever like if you can figure this out like if you can you know make one wellness choice for yourself this week you know and, and role model differently per, great doesn't have to be would you suggest people. that um you take it like you can go cold turkey or would you do something like you enjoy your wine so maybe friday saturday you're gonna have wine wine mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then during the week you're gonna have yeah. Pretend wine. Pretend wine. Wanna be wine. Wanna be wine. It's, you know, I would say you have to, I think you have to judge. So here's my thing. So when I said in, you know, January, February, 2020, I said, I'm not going to, I'm choosing to be alcohol free. This is my game plan in March. I like weaned myself off a little bit. And then in April, I did a 30 day alcohol free experiment and, you know, almost made it to the end of the month. And that was right in the middle of COVID. And then you know, I had, uh, you know, a celebratory drink at the end of April to be like, I finished 30 days alcohol free, right? Yeah. And I didn't feel good about my, I didn't feel good. But what I, I looked at it as, you know, if, if you come home, if you were a kid and you came home with a math test where you got 98% on it, you would be congratulated for that. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. a great thing. Yeah. But if, you know, I think that we think, okay, you've got to give up drinking and you have a drink. I'm a failure. I failed my yes, test. Yes. Yes. So I just let myself. So for eight months until, so my very, very last drink was Christmas Eve or Christmas day, 2020. And it was like COVID Christmas. Yeah. Nobody was around. It was me, my husband and my kids. My husband's Jewish. So he doesn't even like, well, he likes Christmas. He likes the presents. Yeah. <laughs> but like, so nobody was coming over for Christmas. It was like, you know, just the four of us for Christmas dinner. And I had bought a bottle of wine. I'd stood in the long line at the LCBO to like oh, get a bottle of wine. I remember those days. I bought a bottle of wine for the table. And like, my husband doesn't drink wine. My kids aren't drinking wine. Nope. Like, who's the bottle for? Yeah. So, um, over that eight months leading up to Christmas, it had been sporadic, like here and there, you know, I got sucked into what's our anniversary, you know, we're out for a, a dinner, let's, I'm going to have a drink, or my husband's like, let's have a glass of wine. Mm-hmm. And I always felt terrible afterwards, not about myself, but I no. was health, like health wise, I didn't feel, feel good. good. I'm like, this is, I feel terrible. What is happening? But it's because my body was weaning off of a toxin. Yeah. So um, when Christmas day came around and I had a glass of wine, my daughter's like, I'm really disappointed in you. And I was like, that's it. I'm done. Oh, that was the last drink. I'm like, I'm never drinking again. Because that was enough of a kick I needed. Yeah. That was like, she's watching me. Of course she is. Lie to myself. Yeah. About like, I want to be alcohol free. Yeah. I mean, you're, you have to hold yourself accountable. Yeah. And then these little people, (laughs) these little people are happy to hold you accountable too. She was holding my, she was holding me accountable. And I was like, thank God. (laughs) Thank God. Because I don't know how long I would have gone on testing myself. Yeah. I needed that. Yes. And it was great. It was like, after that, I'm like, okay. You know, it's, it was like a new chapter, but I did feel in that January, I did feel a little bit like, you know, like quitting all over again, even though I had spent time, like really weaning off of alcohol, not yeah. drinking it hardly at all. It did, did feel like the door was, had closed uh, and I did feel a bit depressed in January because it was January, but also because then it was real. 
Yeah. I couldn't give myself that excuse anymore of like, oh, I'm just weaning myself off, you know? Yeah. So back to the question, should people go cold turkey or, you know, wean yourself off or whatever, swap out? It's what you feel is going to be best for you. If you have a serious problem with alcohol and you, you Mm -hmm. deep down inside in your gut, you're scared to face your relationship with alcohol, you need to talk to somebody. Yeah. You need to talk to somebody. You need to use, find a resource. You need to like figure out what your next steps are to like start healing from that healing from that and like weaning yourself off. If you're just like, okay, you know, drinking wine while you're making dinner and stuff and you don't really feel like, you know, you've got a significant problem, then you could, you could just quit cold Turkey. If that doesn't work, you know, start swapping out. They call it zebra striping, like in an evening, if you're going to have a non-alcoholic beer and a full alcohol beer, like swapping it out. That's a good idea. You can try that too. So that's actually a really good idea because usually, you know, you have a nice glass of wine and after the second glass, you can't really taste it. Yeah. Yeah. Like not, yes. not the way you taste that first. No, glass. that first glass is always, and the first sip is always the, the yes. best one with non-alcoholic wine. It gets better and better. The more you sip. Yes. It's the opposite. It's like the first sip is like, okay. And then the second is like, oh yeah. Oh, and the third is like, oh, this is darn good. Yeah. Like yeah. this is really good. Yeah, And I should have brought you, I had a red wine actually. Oh no. All okay. last night. We'll be doing that I more. Opened with my lasagna. So, um, oh. <laughs> you know, just, it was, uh, it was a GSM blend from the South of France. And so, mm. you know, just being able to enjoy a glass of wine with food yes sometimes that's all you need like you don't need there to be alcohol it's just that built-in habit of having something elegant yeah with your dinner so i would say like whatever a person's path is um you know you are the only one that's going to know that yeah what yeah. that is right and, yeah. and it could be you could also and adaptogens is a whole other topic like um euphoric drinks because those actually have things in them that like kind of make you feel tired or social or whatever and maybe that's the thing somebody needs because okay. it's like they need something. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it really is all up to you. And, you know, if you do have a serious substance use disorder, then, or, you know, if you're feeling scared to face the face, your relationship with alcohol, find somebody who's official, somebody who can give you proper like medical advice or actually yeah. don't go to your doctor. No. Cause your doctor will just tell you that you're fine. <laughs> yeah. Or go to AA. Yeah, your doctor will probably say to go to AA. So there's lots of other options out there for somebody and um, you are the only one that's going to know what's best for you. Yeah. I am so glad that we had this yeah, conversation. I, oh, you're the Yay! best. <laughs> it was funny, like once you said to me, come on out for a glass of wine. I'm like, oh my God, I can drive there and drive home. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you can. No you more can have DD. two glasses of wine, three glasses of wine. You don't have to take an Uber. You're going to save you know so what? much money. I'm going to put the empty bottles in the backseat of my car and be like, pull me over. Yeah. Pull me <laughs> yeah. over. Okay, I'm gonna, we're gonna, we'll finish on this funny story. My husband uh, was, a, he liked beer. And so when I met him, he never really drank that much. But as the years went by, he started drinking more and more because I drank more and more. So I was sort of uh-huh. enabling like yeah. accidentally. Yeah. So uh, we were... I was going through this and I think I was maybe two years in. So it was maybe like last summer, not the summer, last summer we were at a cottage and um, he had gone out to the grocery store and he came in the door. He's like, this was amazing. I was rolling down the highway with uh, some chips next to me and a beer, drinking my beer. And I was like, what? And he's like, just kidding. (laughs) He had bought a whole case of compliments, blonde grocery store beer. He's like, I really like this. And so I just thought that was too funny. And he was like, I was hoping somebody was going to pull me over. Yeah, those are the beer. moments you want to get pulled yeah, yeah. over. <laughs> and then I said, but then, you know, after that, um, you know, I kind of laughed about it. And then little by little, I was no- I noticed that over time he had, he started buying non-alcoholic beer. Uh-huh. And I'm like, first of all, I'm like, don't buy, please don't buy non-alcoholic beer. I have so much of it. You can have, uh, you know, people send yeah. it to me all the time, but he likes it now. Okay. And he's hardly drinking at all. And I'll tell you the, the most 
I never thought this would happen, but in our back walkout, you know, to our back, we kind of keep like, it's a little bit of a pantry. There's like at least six tall boys of beer back there that have been sitting there for weeks, like over a month, maybe two months, nobody's drinking it. I'm like, we could not have done that a couple of years ago. And so I'm very yeah. proud of him too. I never encouraged him to stop drinking. I never talked about it with him. I did it on my own and I never yeah. said to him, like, you should stop drinking. He was like a closet sobrietist. Well, I think he just didn't <laughs> like it to begin with. And he saw the joy that I was finding yeah, without in doing life. It. And like, we were, you know, we still fight, but like, I think we would have been divorced by now if I still kept drinking. Cause like I, we could never handle arguments when yes. both of us were drinking, right? Mm, sounds so, familiar. Yeah. So like that's, so now in our household, it's like, I feel like I've not only influenced my kids, but also my husband is a, like pretty much a teetotaler now. So <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yay, Thank you. This was so Thank good. you. That was great. And I'm going to put all the information we talked about mm -hmm. yeah. in the notes yes. and, uh, and you know, like as you find new places for us to get, our wine yes. please let me know yeah. and i will keep updating yep. that and you can follow me on social at some good clean fun or some good clean fun underscore.com which is the two accounts and i post there when new places come yep. up um and visit some good clean there's wine reviews so if yep. you want if you are looking for a red yeah you can go and read through the reviews there and there's beer reviews and i do mocktail recipes and stuff too so you know you're a mocktologist yeah. mocktologist i love that i love that <laughs> I love that. I don't know why I that. I keep calling That's you that. That's so cute. Yeah, back. Love it. Yeah. Love it. I like I'm the just coming yeah. over this morning <laughs> to drink wine with me. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on today. Thank you for coming. Yeah.